1: You know, uh, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get the same chills just from the eagle screech at the beginning of the hour, as I am from the president's words himself. <laughs> you know, we've been doing Reagan opens for our top of the hours uh, for a few years now, and I always get inspired by the words of the great communicator. We've kind of um, broken it up and pulled clips from other speeches beyond his 1981 inaugural address. Um, some of them are from actually from uh, the '60s uh, when he was uh, running for governor um, of California. So we're, we're pulling different Reagan clips just to freshen it up, and they're amazing. But I got to tell you and thank you to Johnny Hiles, who's our producer, uh, technical producer of the show, who uh, who brought us that eagle screech. It just it just speaks to you. I know it sounds goofy, but it shouldn't. But I'm sure it probably does to some. But I think it's chilling. It just reminds me of what liberty is. It reminds me of what this country stands for. And by the way, sometimes we need that reminder of what liberty really is because it's being taken away from us day by day by day. Hour number two underway now. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. It's the 17th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2022. And as it is a Thursday, it's time for us to say good morning to our good friend Dr. Everett Piper, a best-selling author, a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He is uh, also a podcast radio host in Oklahoma of the Rebellion. He is a candidate uh, for county commissioner in uh, in Oklahoma as well, and he is a past university president as well. That's a lot of hats. You probably have, uh, you know, your neck is probably sore from wearing all those hats at the same time. <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't know. I try to keep my head, my uh, my eyeball straight ahead and and stay the course. So hopefully I'm not twisting left and right. Who
1: knows? You are you are an Oklahoman though. So do you wear a ten gallon?
2: Uh, I don't wear a ten gallon, but I do nope. wear a cowboy hat periodically. You know they do have a function. They keep the water off your face and yeah. the sun from bur- from burning you. And so when I'm out working with the horses or the cows in the summer, especially because. You know, it gets 100, 105 degrees down here for a few days on end, and you need something to keep you cool.
1: Yeah, understood. Uh, And by the way, I understand you're in the middle of some weather right now, right?
2: Yeah, I hope hope the reception is adequate. But, yeah, we do have a nice storm going through right now.
1: Yeah, I saw the uh, forecast for this big. It's going to sweep through uh, a number of states and uh, hit a lot of people this big, massive winter storm. So stay safe down there. And so far, your reception is perfect. So thank you, Dr. Piper, for joining us as always. Uh want to start this morning with you, with your column, as we almost always do uh, in the Washington Times. Um, you kind of recapped a little bit about what we already talked about last week, so I won't go too terribly in-depth on the letter uh, that you posted um, that got over 90-some thousand likes on Facebook last week. That's why we talked about it last Thursday. But then you went ahead and wrote a little bit more about it, about why this particular letter uh, from a free- a Freedom Convoy trucker um, spoke so so loudly to so many people that they felt like they had to like it, they had to grab it and share it, because freedom is on trial right now. It's on trial north of our border with Canada. Uh, it's on trial here in our own country and, uh, quite frankly, in a lot of other places as well. Tell us why you think this spoke to people so much.
2: Yeah, uh, it is kind of a, a rehashing of what you and I discussed, and sometimes I do use our conversation as fodder for my weekly column, so thank you for priming the pump. Um that that tweet and that Facebook post that I put out, where I basically said, I stand with the truckers, and then I hashtagged it, a proud truck driver's son, because my, my dad was a driver. Uh, my dad didn't have a high school diploma. My dad was a hardworking man. He wasn't stupid, and it, I didn't talk t- down to him even after I got my degrees, because that would have been insulting. He was just as bright as me. He just didn't happen to have the piece of paper on the wall. And I think this is one of the reasons that Ultimately, I received over 97,000 likes. Now, that's a big deal for me. You know, I'm not a big fish, and when I get 97,000 likes to something, you got to ask yourself the question, why? Well, as you know, I conclude in my article by saying, I think it's just because we're tired. People are tired of being called stupid. They're being t- they're, they're tired. We're tired of being called heartland rubes who lack gray matter. We're we're tired of being called morons, literally, quote-unquote, by his grand and glorious Dr. Anthony Fauci just because we happen to notice that his science doesn't line up with science. We're tired of being told by Joe Scarborough that we're cultists just because we won't get in line with his COVID cult of the COVIDians. We're tired of all of this nonsense. We're tired of being called a basket of deplorables. We're tired. Like, my father would have been tired. Of being insulted by a bunch of oligarchs in in their in their ivory tower or in their glass houses, he would have been a little irritated to have people constantly demeaning him and calling him a bigot, a homophobe, uh, a, 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 a a Nazi. This is actually what um, uh, Justin Trudeau has been calling people, and since I penned my article and since it's been published, as you all know. Justin Trudeau has essentially declared Canada to be a police state because a bunch of workers, hard-working, blue-collar truck drivers like my dad, dared to go to the Capitol and say, we want our freedom, leave us alone. A peaceful protest of over 100,000 people, and as of, I believe, at my last reading, not one arrest for anything violent. How does that happen? And how is that different than these other protests with Black Lives Matter and Antifa and whatnot, which Justin Trudeau did not. He did not orchestrate a War Powers Act, emergency acts, to shut down Canada's civil liberties as a result of those protests and burning down buildings and, and, and shutting down streets. But he does for a bunch of guys like my dad. This is outrageous, and that's why, that's why I got 97,000 likes. To simply saying, I stand with these guys rather than the Beltway buffoons any day of the week. Hashtag proud truck driver's son.
1: By the way, Dr. Piper, great, great uh, um, description, by the way, an explanation there. To the Trudeau uh, creation of Canada as a police state, did you happen to hear, uh, most have, but I just want to make sure, um, the words of Justin Trudeau back in 2015, before he became the Prime Minister, and he was the leader of the Liberal Party, wanting to take the job from Stephen Harper. Uh, you I think I know you
2: where you're just... going right now, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, listen.
0: The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because there... You know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen
2: Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. <laughs> Quite
1: interesting. So two important points there, Dr. Piper, I'd like you to respond to. Number one, his obvious love for dictatorship. He expressed this in response to a question, uh, what other country he admires besides Canada. He chose China because of dictatorship and the flexibility that a dictator has to do what he wants, when he wants, without having to wait for the will of the people to be expressed. He said he finds that very interesting. And then the second part about this is what the left always seems to do. They project. That which they themselves are guilty of on to you. So, because he admires the idea of dictatorship in China, he said, "I know that's something that Stephen Harper, a conservative, uh, would be would be dreaming about." The reality is, it's what he has uh, envisioned and dreamt about, and now that he is prime minister, he's making it happen.
2: Exactly uh, what that tells us. And, and by the way, as you well know, he also said he admired Fidel Castro. So you've got a guy that his father
1: was very close for, with Castro. That's right.
2: Exactly. So we've got a guy who admires Fidel Castro and the Communist Republic of China, Red China. Now, you got to ask yourself, should we attend to these people when they actually say that this is what they admire and this is the way they think? The answer is yes because ideas always have consequences. Ideas always bear fruit. And if you admire red China and you say it openly, you shouldn't chuckle and laugh when the guy says it. You should attend to it and maybe believe him, because if he ever gets the opportunity to do what red China does, he might actually do it. The proof's in the pudding, and here we are. The man under the banner of democracy is shutting down democracy. The man under the banner of civil rights is suspending civil rights. Like you said, they project onto their opponents the very things that they intend to do. Their sins are the things they accuse you of committing before they get caught committing them. And he's done the exact same thing now by calling truck drivers, Sikhs, and Muslims, And atheists and Anabaptists, these truck drivers are the most diverse group of people, probably, on the face of the earth right now. They've come together in co-belligerence and solidarity simply to say, leave us alone. We came to this country for freedom, and now you're taking it away. And Trudeau turns around and calls them Nazis. Literally, he calls them Nazis. I ask you this question. Who's the Nazi here, these truck drivers or Trudeau?
1: Well, he doesn't understand the obvious. Those people who are waving Nazi flags are not waving them in support of Nazism. They're waving them to say, this is what you are doing to us. You are turning Canada into a Nazi state. You are the ones who are acting. I mean, the Babylon Bee... Writes satire and parody, but they do it based on things, you know, the way they appear. They make fun of things the way they appear. And one of the most recent headlines after um, Trudeau declared a national emergency and invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history, which is martial law, the Babylon Bee ran a headline that said, Justin Trudeau announces decision to invade Poland. So is it real? No, of course. But do you get the point here? This is what those truckers are saying with the Nazi flags. They're not saying we're Nazis. They're saying you are being Nazis, and that's what we are protesting against.
2: And, and you know, the media, the mainstream media will focus in on that one photograph of a guy waving a Nazi flag. And they'll yeah. misconstrue it and spin it to their end. You've got hundreds of thousands. Well, maybe let me not exaggerate. You have tens of thousands upward toward 100,000 people that are in this peaceful protest. There have been no arrests for violence. Uh, The rest we've seen on TV are the police manhandling a 78-year-old man who drove by in his pickup and simply honked in support. And they throw this man up against his truck. And then there's a pastor who had a church service for the truckers who's in solitary confinement right now in a maximum security prison. These are facts. So, again, I ask the question, who is the dictator here? Who is mm-hmm. the authoritarian here? Who is the Nazi here? And I don't use that word frivolously. I use it as an, as an example of somebody who's projecting onto his opponent the very agenda or the very tactics that he's using to silence them.
1: I'm glad you used the word pastors there, Dr. Piper, because it allows me to segue into topic number two. Let's talk about churches. I'm going to read a tweet, and I'm going to ask your reaction. Where are America's most dangerous political radicals rallying in churches by the thousands, in city after city, in church after church? The seeds for the next insurrection are being sown by the MAGA Christian nationalists right before our eyes. That tweet came from David French. It linked to an article that he wrote for French Press. Uh, in the dispatch i don't subscribe to that uh but we all know who david french is and i know you know who david french is former conservative uh turncoat quite frankly take it from there
2: well i'll try to be brief um David, I used to admire David French. I used to quote him. I used to thank him for his robust defense of religious freedom. I have his book, and I have it underlined repeatedly because I was grateful for him standing in co-belligerence with me while I was fighting for Oklahoma Wesleyan University's religious freedom. But now he has, because of his, I'm going to call it Trump derangement syndrome, he does. He he, he, really, he can't think his way out of a paper bag any longer. And you know the reason he wrote this article is because the Daily Wire wrote a piece that called these elite evangelicals, these George Soros Renton Evangelical co-conspirators with Soros like Russell Moore or like Tim Keller or like Ed Stetzer with Christianity Today and the Wheaton uh, Institute. These guys are showing their cards that they're more interested in being popular and being in the in-group in Washington, D.C., being in the beltway and being popular than they are in defending our religious freedom. They would rather stand with BLM, critical race theorists, and social justice warriors, and condemn you as being a Nazi while they shut down and celebrate the ending and the, uh, the, uh, the restrictions of religious freedom in the United States. At the end of the day, we have to have our first thing, our sumum bonum, our top priority. What is a first thing for us? And for David French, it apparently is not religious freedom. It is political popularity in the beltway.
1: And you know what's pretty astounding is if you read his piece and uh, and and I don't think I've shared it and I don't know if I want to share it really. Quite frankly, I'll just let you talk about it here. But he talks about uh, some of the some of the threats and some of the consider- concerns that he has about what he calls MAGA Christian nationalism. Uh, And among them is, quote, MAGA Christian nationalism is concentrated in the churches most removed from elite American culture, including from elite evangelicalism. While there may be some Christian nationalists in seminaries or in the pews of big, highly educated suburban churches or in the leadership of America's largest denominations, you're far more likely to find the true believers in exactly the kind of non-denominational, independent and often charismatic churches that populate the list of reawaken America tour stops. Um, What's he saying there? What is the accusation?
2: Uh, Basically, I I think it's an arrogant posturing on his part. He basically says, I'm in the elite evangelical group, and those of you who aren't elite, those of you who aren't as smart as me and Russell Moore and Tim (laughs) Keller and Ed Stetzer, you are stupid rubes, and you, because you don't understand elite evangelicalism, are wrong. You've been duped by orange man bad, Shame on you, you stupid heartland rubes. That's yeah. what he's saying. And frankly, it's the same thing that people are yelling at my dad, the truck driver, as he just says, Leave me alone. I came here for freedom. I just want to be left alone. Would you, smart folks in Washington, D.C., get off your high horse? Frankly, even though I don't have your piece of paper. I can think for myself, thank you. I don't need you, David French, looking down your nose at me and saying, I'm not one of the elites, and therefore I need to be instructed by you while I just sit down and shut up and follow along obediently.
1: I'll tell you what I heard, Dr. Piper. I heard you're just clay. These people are clinging to their guns and their religion after they come back from the Walmarts where we can smell them, uh, in a yep. in in yep. basket of deplorables. I'm combining Obama and Hillary and all of their extraordinary insulting comments to people, to, to religious people, people of faith, and flyover countries that they just have such, or flyover states rather, uh, that they just have such disdain for. Uh, 1024, we're gonna come back and we've got one more for Dr. Piper right after this. AM 1420, the answer. Okay, 1026. Dr. Everett Piper with us for three and a half more minutes. Dr. Piper, we're going to have to go quickly on this one. You and I have spoken in some depth about uh, the attempt by those in the LGBTQ mafia through the schools to recruit, to, um, uh, quite frankly, to groom young children into joining their ranks in order to strengthen their political power, uh, among other things. And come to find out, it's working nearly 40% of Generation Z, according to one study, a, a poll, nearly 40% are identifying as LGBTQ. And you say what?
2: Well, ideas have consequences. I already mentioned it earlier in the show. When you teach one generation after another, and we're into, we've, been, we've been through Gen X and now we're in Gen Z, and then we're going to have another generation coming up very shortly. When you teach one generation of your progeny, After another, that there is no such thing as a male and female. When you have drag queen story hours in kindergarten classes, when you allow students or even teach students or instruct students that they should choose their own pronouns, when you tell students that biology doesn't matter and that gender is a social construct rather than an empirical fact, when you teach Generation and generation after young pe- of young people, when you teach generation after generation of young people, that when they look in the mirror, what's staring back at them is not a biological fact, but merely a construct of their feelings. And if they see a boy looking back at them, well, they can deconstruct that and create whatever they want in their image, this Gnosticism of denying the body and elevating the feelings. When you teach that in your public schools, I'll quote Barack Obama's pastor here. The chickens are going to come home to roost. And the public schools cannot wash their hands of this. They've had charge of the ideas that have been inculcated in our culture for 60, 70 years, at least now. And the chickens, indeed, are coming home to roost. The ideas are having consequences. Forty percent, according to the American thinker of Gen Zers, identify... There's LGBTQIA, whatever the heck that means. What it does mean is we've got a nation of
3: confused
2: souls who wouldn't be able to defend our freedom to save their lives because they don't care about that. What they care about is just feeling good about their constructs. In other words, they want to deny their sin and they want to elevate themselves as being the measure of everything. Nothing else matters other than your selfishness, your narcissism, and your moral nihilism.
1: It is a very, very dangerous thing because, you know, there is such a thing as gender dysphoria. People who understand, you know, psychology, the mind, psychology, and, and psychiatry will will understand. There are people who do suffer from severe, uh, you know, mental conditions, and gender dysphoria is one of them. It's just that the percentage of people who actually suffer from that, who have some sort of a, uh, uh, are unable to reconcile their physical anatomy and their chromosomes and so on and so forth with their mind, uh, the state of mind. But that number has traditionally been less than one percent of the population, uh, because it's a pretty severe condition to suggest now that there are 10, 20, 30 percent of a generation of people who are buying into that and saying, yes, I'm a female, yes, I'm a male in spite. And I'm not saying they're all saying they're trans as part of LGBTQ because all of those letters stands for something else. But that's the massive movement we are seeing right now, to think that we went from you know, less than 1% of the population having one psychological, psychological condition that afflicts them that they need treatment for, that it's up to 30 or 40% um, is insanity. This is a political movement. It is not a scientific movement. It is not something that is actually geared toward helping people in, uh, in, as far as their identities in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Dr. Please Piper. Spot on. Thank you, Dr. Piper, for uh, everything. Uh, terrific analysis. We'll talk to you again next week.
2: All right, take care.
1: Bless. Bye. That's Doctor Everett Piper on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's ten thirty. We'll get to our news. We're going to come back and talk about Brandon's visit to Northeast Ohio today, Cleveland and Lorraine. Gee, why did he choose those locations? And what is he here to talk about? We talked about it in the monologue. We'll talk about it with Paris Art of the RNC next. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Rain for the sky. I said with a passion as I pull off in the ass, uh, Don't nobody like his ass, huh? Try to cover up and tell the people, go, Brandon. But we know what they're saying, though. You can hear the chant in every post. Don't nobody want this commie cause we not in China. Everybody hated Trump and now they have to catch a body. That's what they get for treating us like we in
3: square Games. Green light, man.
1: Brandon, but we all know what the same means. Let's go,
0: Brandon. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer.
1: Always right indeed. 1038. Thanks for being with us. We got 22 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this broadcast. Figure we just give um the presidential motorcade, a little fitting welcome to uh, Northeast Ohio, to Cleveland, and to Lorraine today, President Brandon is going to be here. And I thought if they're going to send his interns or his staff out to see what's being said in the local media uh, about uh, his visit, there it is. We welcome him with, uh, with Loza Alexander. Let's go, Brandon. Let's talk about this visit and what its purpose is, and what the real issues in this country are, as uh, Joe Brandon comes to Northeast Ohio. Joining us now, spokesperson for the RNC, Paris Denard, back on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Paris. How are you?
3: Great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure. Um, So, you know, I'm sitting here trying to figure it out. We're, We're potentially on the verge, even later today, as early as today, we could end up seeing the Russians invade Ukraine, we are seeing record high inflation over 7.5%, the highest in 40 years. We're seeing more drugs and people uh, streaming across our southern border than we have ever had at any point in the United States history. We have one calamity on top of another. And Joe Brandon is coming to Northeast Ohio to talk about the infrastructure bill that was passed, what, four months ago? What is the purpose of this visit, Paris Denard?
3: Well, the purpose of the visit is, 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 is to create a distraction uh, from all of the failed policies that he has been responsible for since this infrastructure package uh, passed. Uh, what Joe Biden is trying to do is to uh, convince Americans that if you just focus on the infrastructure package and ignore the things that you pointed out, which were absolutely correct, the rising gas prices, the ridiculous inflation, drugs that are pouring over our southern border because of him not having a, a, a secure border policy like President Trump had, uh, with the fentanyl deaths and the drug overdoses that are plaguing the community with the high, high crime, all the things that we see, not to mention the international calamity that is happening in Russia uh, with the Ukraine and other hot spots around the country, uh, like North Korea, now testing weapons again. So Joe Biden's going to come into Ohio and try to talk about something that's already been passed and already been done so that we can just focus on that and not on the reality that so many people in Ohio are are living, which is the destructive nature, the horrible policies of the Biden-Harris administration that have a negative impact on so many people, especially a disproportionate impact on minorities and people that are in uh, fragile communities
1: that last part is very very important i think we're talking to paris denard of the rnc um you know there's a lot of places he could visit if he wants to come to northeast ohio he chose cleveland and lorraine lorraine is a very very multi-ethnic multicultural community very large population of of hispanic voters and of black voters Mm -hmm. much less much less white voters and as you know paris he's underwater all over the place even with independent voters and in fact Forty-five percent, I think was the number we saw a couple of days ago, only 45 percent of Democrats want him to run for reelection after 13 months of disaster. And uh, the, the, the largest voting block that they're losing are minorities, Hispanic and black voters. You think that had something to do with where he picked today?
3: Oh, absolutely. Like, let's be very clear. Everything that Joe Biden and his administration do are from the lens of politics. It's not about people. It's not about enacting real policy that's going to empower, uplift, and change things for the better or provide solutions. It's all about politics. And so they see and understand that they are underwater, like you said, across the board when it comes to, especially with Democrats and minorities, uh, his poll numbers are tanking. And so they're going to try to go to places where they think they can get those votes back because let's be very clear. If Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do not have the backbone of the Democrat Party supporting them, they will ultimately lose. And they all and the writing is already on the wall. When you have over, we have at least thirty uh, Democrats who have said, thrown in the towel and said, "I'm not going to run uh, for re-election," because that runs counter to what one would think they would do. Having the White House, the House, and the Senate, and policies that they think that work, but clearly their policies aren't working. Democrats are bailing on the Biden-Harris team, and the Democrats are revolting, minorities revolting, and so the Biden-Harris administration is in panic mode. The Democrats are in panic mode because they're losing their base.
1: We're talking to Paris Denard of the RNC, spokesperson for the Republican National Committee. Joe Brandon is in town today, and I want to talk about, you know, what he's touting. It's kind of interesting with all of the things you just mentioned, and I mentioned, excuse me, that he's trying to distract from, What would you say has been his most significant achievement in his first year in office? Because his most significant priorities were build back better and some sort of federalized voting rights plan in order to take the rights uh, away from the states so that they can continue to cheat and, uh, uh, and, and commit election fraud in perpetuity. He's failed on his most significant legislative agenda items, is is he here to tout the infrastructure plan because it's literally the only thing that he was able to get past of any significance in his first year?
3: Oh, That's it. Because, listen, this this has been a presidency of broken promises. Uh, he came in there and said that he was going to, uh, the adults were going to be in the room and, and he was going to eradicate COVID. COVID is now worse than it was last year. And it, 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 it's worse than... Not just from a sense of confusion uh, and 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 these ridiculous unconstitutional discriminatory mandates and vaccine passports, but it's worse for those in terms of the death. More have died under Biden's watch than before, and we have three vaccines and boosters, and so they have no solutions for that. Broken promise when it came to uh, being able to do something about student loan debt. For, you know, a lot of minorities and young people. Thought that they were going to get these student loans taken care of. And he, he lied about that, just took it off the table. And so then you go to police reform. Talked to you about they could do something about police reform. Nothing has been done. Voting rights, all the things that they campaigned on, nothing has gotten done. So, to your point, the only thing they have to point to is an infrastructure package that that, that passed months ago. But since then, there's been nothing that has improved the lives of the American people. Things have just gotten worse and worse and worse. They know it. The American people know it. We feel it. And they know that people ultimately are going to vote about how they feel. If they feel that things are bad, if they feel that things are not good, if they feel that their communities are unsafe, if they feel that their children are not being educated properly, if they feel that their economy is tanking, if they feel that the government is not working for them and, and, and actually working against them, they're going to vote the people who are responsible for that out. And the people who are responsible for these Terrible policies are Democrats at the House, the Senate, and the White House, and in many of these local municipalities as well.
1: Well, there's no question about that. And, um, yeah, just just to talk about what's coming in, in November. Yeah. Almost everybody, Paris, believes uh, that a red tsunami is on its way. Um, and, I, and, I, and I am in that camp for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have made a, mm-hmm. a complete cesspool of this country in just one calendar year, now 13 months, and it's going to get worse because the inflation is not uh, you know, going to be temporary and transitory. It's going to be here for a long time to come. As long as we can vote uh, uh, fairly, um, do you have confidence that we won't see a repeat of some of the things we saw. And I know about almost two dozen states have you know strengthened their voter integrity laws to make sure that only one vote is cast per person, and it, and, and every vote is counted. Uh, and that voter rolls are cleaned up. Um, that we don't have some of the same things that we saw when they when they weaponized COVID in order to create um, you know universal mail-in balloting in November of 2020. Even though some of the states have shored those things up, there are still problems. There are still concerns with voting machines, particularly the company that provides them for so many different states. Do you believe Paris Arden and does the RNC have confidence that we will see free and fair elections in November, knowing that if we have free and fair elections, we're taking back the House and the Senate? Well, it's two points.
3: Number one. The, the only way you overtake the system is by voting. And so under no circumstance should any Republican not vote. Every Republican should be registered to vote, and every Republican should vote. And point blank, period. That's how we win. That's how we change things. That's how we get the country back. We have to vote no matter what. Second point is on on having confidence. Look, we have confidence in the fact that the RSC is fighting every single day. We just sued Bucks County, Pennsylvania, because of, of wanting to get more access to information. They they seem to have something to hide when it comes to their absentee ballot uh, counting procedures, and so we're going across the country looking at these things when it comes to absentee ballots and how they've been counted. We're we're you know it, it, New York New York is trying to have non citizens vote. Uh, we're inter, 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 interjecting ourselves in, in, in that fight, and, and the chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, has been very clear: she, there's not a, a city too small, there's not a county too small, or, or a state too big. For us not to go in and fight for election integrity and that's what we would continue to do and that's what we that's what we're doing right now because we have to ensure that the, the the changes that were done under the cloak of darkness based upon COVID 19 are not put in place for good and we have to make sure that there's voter confidence in, in uh all of the voters that are going to be voting and I, I believe there's going to be Democrats and independents who are going to be voting for Republicans because they're so sick and tired of the Democrats lying to them and doing nothing to improve their lives, help their children, and, and have safe communities. And so I think that we are going to continue on this path of, 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 of being litigious uh, in the courts when it comes to election integrity uh, so that people can have confidence, but no, under no circumstance should any Republican uh, not register to vote and not vote.
1: Paris Denard joining us from the RNC as Joe Biden shows up uh, in Northeast Ohio to tout the infrastructure law that he uh, that he passed because he's got nothing else to talk about apparently. Last question for you: If we are successful, when I say we, I mean conservative Republicans in taking over the the both houses of uh, uh-huh. of uh, Congress in November. More than one congressional GOP representative in the past few months has said, when we do, we're impeaching Joe Biden, particularly over his surrendering of our sovereignty at the southern border. It's not even being addressed. They're not looking at it. They're not talking about it. They won't go down to see it. Uh, they are just completely ignoring what is going on in this country by way of that, and that is impeachable. Do you think that is, first of all, going to happen? Second of all, is it wise to telegraph it so far in advance of the vote?
3: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'll leave that up to the people in, in Congress to determine that. But I think from the RNC standpoint, uh, we're going to be focused on making sure that we have this red wave happening. Voters are, 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 are registered to vote. The GOTV work that we do for our nominees and all of these uh, races have the resources and the data that they need to get out the vote and to win. And so we're going to be focused on, on taking back the House and the Senate once that happens. We'll, we'll leave it up to the Congress to, to figure out what the course of action is to, uh, as, in terms of holding Joe Biden accountable. But what I do know, and what the RNC is clear, is we must hold him accountable. And, and whether that is through uh, you know, impeachment or, whether, or or just being a line of defense from these radical policies that are happening and proposing things that are actually going to benefit the American people. We've got to hold Joe Biden accountable. But the first step is to take back the House and the Senate. So I don't know if it is, you know, smart to to do to forecast those things. But I think the most important thing for us to focus on is having the, the, the resources, the dollars, the ground game, everything set in place so that we can win and win big in November.
1: Paris Denard, Republican National Committee, joining us on AM 1420 The Answer with a little bit of a look-see at what Joe Biden is doing in town today. Uh, Paris, thanks so much for uh, the time, and we always appreciate your perspective from the RNC. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's how I greet him. I know Paris can't say that. I know the RNC can't say that. But we can say it, and we can say it louder, as a matter of fact. Hit it, Johnny.
0: Let's go, hey, you you understand the commander-in-chief uh, in uh, in Libya we should be opening up the the the, the... always right with Bob France. I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here but let me say it this way I On am 1420 the answer
1: welcome to town <laughs> I shouldn't laugh I mean it's our future that he's destroying I really shouldn't laugh at that but it's just so... It's so easy to when you've got a guy who is so completely and utterly lost as uh, President Brandon is. Uh, Hey, I want to make a quick uh, note here. Um, Tomorrow, um, we will drop the third episode of the new podcast that I am hosting. It's a a 30-minute-a-week podcast with Patrick Wood, the executive director of CFFS. Free speech, as I've been saying in so many countless numbers of stories that we've been doing on this program. Uh, It's under attack like never before. Citizens for Free Speech, which is uh, the organization that Patrick runs and I work with as well, we have started a podcast where we're highlighting free speech issues locally and across the country. Uh So it's a new podcast. You can get it in virtually every place that you download podcasts. Everywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can hear that. So Citizens for Free Speech, Episode 3, drops tomorrow at noon. Every Friday at noon, look for a new CFFS podcast. It's called Stand and Deliver. That's what you want to search for, Stand and Deliver. The Eric Clapton Van Morrison song. Yeah. Because that's exactly how we feel about it, too. So check that out. It'll drop tomorrow at noon, episode number three. Every Friday at noon, you'll get a new podcast episode of Stand and Deliver. It's important. Um, Derek is uh, calling us from Richfield. Hi, Derek. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey,
3: Bob. Thank you. Yeah, um, so calling today, just to uh, remember, this is the, today actually is
2: the one-year anniversary of Rush Limbaugh's death. And... You know, it's another example just with the whole COVID lockdown. You know, the the turnout for his funeral would have probably been so enormous. You know, if things were were going along normally. But I just wanted to you know remember about uh, you know his, his humor, his humor, and how fun he made the show. Um, you know, in light of, you know, all these uh, heavy issues that are always talked about, but uh, the, the nicknames always stood out, you know, with him. And I will never be able to hear, you know, Mitch McConnell's name without always thinking first, the turtle, Mitch McConnell, or, or Joe Biden was always plugged. Um, you know, uh, Michelle, my fellow Obama. I mean, I don't know. He just had such a way, uh, stroke, yeah. stroke,
1: smirk, you know, pencil neck. Well, was... I don't know. It's just. He was one of a kind. Yeah. Look, you know, the, the, here's this, here's the, and thank you for, for reminding us of that. A previous caller did, too. Today is the anniversary of his death, and, of course, we, uh, we want Rush Limbaugh to rest in peace and rest in power. He was such a dynamic force behind the conservative movement in support of this country and our Constitution. Uh, and you're right, he was as entertaining as all get out. We have some of the best conservative radio hosts in America on the Salem Network, and I truly mean that, and they know, who, they know who they are, and you know who they are, and I'm privileged to sit in and host some of their shows. We have some of the very best to ever do it, but there'll never be another Rush. I can say that comfortably and confidently, and I think all of our other Salem hosts would say the same thing. He was the godfather. He started it all and made it possible for all of them and for all of us as well. So uh, uh, RIP Rush Limbaugh, one year on. Andy in Middleburg is going to wrap it for us. Andy, go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good morning,
2: Bob. I want to give you a heads up. Okay. You got to get the. You have to get Dr. Uh, Sherry Tenpenny back on on your radio. She was on last night on Pastor Ernie Sanders. She is starting five clinics here in Northeast Ohio, and she's got five hundred doctors and nurses who are backing her, contributing, and she's going to open up centers so you don't have to worry about going to the hospital she's going to be taking care of That's people and she's awesome. got people that yeah, yeah so if you want to get around her i mean she can explain it we listened to it last night and uh you know i know you think very highly of her and so do we and she's I do one indeed. of the only well i'll tell you what Andy, I,
1: I appreciate you let me know that i gotta go here because i'm up against the bottom of the hour or excuse me the end of the show rather top of the hour uh, but thank you, and uh, we will indeed have Dr. Tenpenny on. She does wonderful thing for, things for a lot of people. Thanks to my guests today, Paris Denard and Dr. Everett Piper. Thanks to Johnny and Marcy, and thanks to you for listening. Have a great day. Let's go, Brandon.